It is wonderful to be in the house of our Lord to worship today, especially here three days before we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Um, I just wanted to share with you all, we had a really wonderful service yesterday at the Blue Christmas um, service out at Wesley Chapel. Um, and, and I look forward to doing more joint services with them um, at Easter time. Um, we are going to be hosting um, our own Christmas Eve service here. Um, that will be a service of hymns and carols. And so if you just feel like you have not sung enough Christmas hymns yet, um, I would understand. I feel that way. And so please come um, and join us at 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve here um, for our Christmas Eve and candlelight service. Um, the Christmas cards are available today, so go please check in the fellowship hall and, and look for your last name. Um, and thank you to all those who helped to sort those cards. Are there any other announcements today? And we're not having Bible study tomorrow. That's right. Thank you very much. We are not having Bible study tomorrow by popular vote. Um, but we will be having Bible study um, the, the Monday before New Year's, uh, Monday, December 30th. So um, stay home, sleep in tomorrow, or, or, or have a day with your family, um, and I will see you all the week following. Thank you, Nancy. Um, are there any other announcements today? Ella? Well, that is right. That's right. My home church, when I grew up, um, our, uh, during our, like, little children's, you know, play where we would act out everything and dress up, at the very end, all the little kids together saying, Happy Birthday, Jesus. It was a special rendition. And Eric will tell you, I've been singing that daggone song for weeks here around, and he has no idea, because it's not to the normal tune of Happy Birthday, but it stuck with me as a child. Um, and you are right that we are celebrating the birth of our Savior um, the birth of our king. So happy birthday to Jesus indeed. Christmas Eve. Okay, we'll be singing happy birthday. But I'll go ahead and sing the normal rendition because you do not want to hear a solo of the version I know. <laughs> All right, well, I will invite them forward, Lillian and Fred, who will light our Advent wreath candles, though not a birthday cake. of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. 
Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. We light the candles of hope, peace, joy, and faith, which complete the circle of our everlasting life in Jesus. God has indeed established his steadfast love forever. Um, and if you would like to see the wreath complete, we'll be lighting that final fifth candle on our, as we celebrate our Savior's birthday, Christmas Eve. I invite you to stand as we join together in our call to worship. Will you rise? You know what time it is. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness. And put on the armor of light. Let us pray. We have come, O Lord, not as faithful as we should be, nor as joyful as we could be. Even so, we have been attracted by your faithfulness and your joy. Holy Spirit, teach us this day more about your truth as revealed by Jesus Christ. Fill us with your promised happiness. Challenge us to follow you this moment, this day, this coming week. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, whom we adore as Christ the Lord. And we will be joining together in worship now as we sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. And even just the name invites us into worship. And so I invite you to raise voices high. Yesterday we were at Wesley Chapel for the blue Christmas service, a service for those grieving. And I think we had 12 folks, and those grieving voices filled the whole chapel. And so I know with those here today as we come to adore our king that our voices can indeed fill this room. So won't you sing out with us now?
changing from the little Jesus you know now we're asking him to be near us we're asking him to Everybody. 
Lord, we pray that you would indeed be near to us now. As we draw close to you, won't you send your spirit to draw us into your loving embrace? We offer up to you now not just the praises of our, of our lips and our songs and our words, God, but these offerings that we put before you. We ask that you would take them and multiply them, Lord, that the season, your message of goodness, your message of salvation and of peace and of joy would be spread into our community and that your light would shine in the darkness through these, our humble gifts. We ask that you would bless those who have to give and those who do not, God, that we all might be blessed in this time. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. your baby boy fell they walk on water Mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new and this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy was crucified to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a song with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy is walked with angels tried? And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the grace of God. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? Oh, Mary, did you know? Oh, Mary, did you know? Oh, the blind will see. The deaf will hear, the dead will not live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the land. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That the sleeping child you're holding is the grave. 
God from whom all You may be seated. As we begin our time where we are offering our praises and prayers up to the Lord, I ask does someone have a praise to lift before God today? Yes. Yes, amen. Amen. It is good to have you, Lord. That's right. It's good to have you all back with us as well, Macarius and Robert. And to have so many faces here who have who have not been able to be here in a long time. Mm -hmm. Any others that we lift up before the Lord today? Praises. Yeah. Oh, well, happy birthday. <laughs> mm. Yes, that's true. David Payne, it is your birthday. Praise God. <laughs> Other praises that we lift before the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God for healthy reports from David. Praise God that he walks beside us as we fight our fights. And praise God for the family who sticks by us through all those long battles that we have. Amen. 
Amen. And have you ever known this congregation to be held up by a little bit of sharing back and forth? I don't think so. <laughs> Paula, I thought you had a praise or something. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Praise God for, for good health. And it is good to see you here as well today, both of you. <laughs> yes. Praise God for good test results and, and good test experiences. Yes, thank you. Good. Okay, thank you for sharing with us. For those of you who might not have heard, um, Brenda Breeden has been released from the hospital, and she's back here at home. Um, and so we lift up that praise to God that she is home, um, especially for Christmas. Uh, but we continue to pray for her and continue to support her in the long journey that she has ahead. Any others that we lift up today? Well, I will read those names that we have listed here, and then I'll ask you to lift up others in prayer today. Lily Manning, Rosalind Lovelace, excuse me, uh-huh, Edna and David Davis, Marina Garzon, Kathy Patterson, Jason Brothwell, Betty Twizzleton, Elizabeth LaPointe, Linda Ross, Brenda Breeden, Ed Fortas, Pat Hancock, Julie Hedrick, Kat Dodson, Quibby Gale Grace, my boys, and for the Sullivan family. I would also lift up traveling mercies. Um, I'm just looking out. I know a lot of you all will be traveling, um, and we have family traveling down tomorrow. Eric's family will be joining us for the Christmas Eve service Tuesday, so I know a lot of us are traveling, and we'll be praying um, for, for our families. Are there others that we lift up in prayer? We do need to be praying. Um, there is power in prayer, um, and Christ our Lord taught us to be in prayer for our nation um, and, and for our leadership that has been set above us, um, that they might have God's wisdom and um, the wisdom that he poured out on the kings of Israel. Um, are there others that we lift up in prayer? Yep. For the United Methodist Church, for also for that leadership, for wisdom there. Um, and for unity, the, the unity of spirit that Paul spoke about, that we might be one in Christ. Amen. Um, and I heard that Gail Garrison um, has been lifted up as well. Um, do continue to remember him in prayer. I know that he, um, he also has a long fight ahead, but that he continues to make progress. Well, that is good news. She's been home for a week, and she seems to be staying home. Good, good. We'll continue praying for your mother. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yes. Becky Tackett. Mm-hmm. That's right. Linda and David. Um, if you can believe it, after all they had going on in November here, are headed up, they're driving to um, the D.C. area right now. So prayers for them. 
Are there others that we lift up in prayer? Well, let us go to the Lord. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for this beautiful morning and for this beautiful time when we are able to gather together as family, God, when we are able um, to join our hearts and, and our voices and lift up praise um, when we might um, join together and realize that um, despite all that is going on in the world, still your goodness and your love reign, still your sovereign hand is guiding us, and still we know that the story of your salvation, um, that you, the author of our salvation, are still at work, and that you still hold the ending and the future. Father, we confess today um, that it has been easy for us to forget um, that you are the author of all, that you hold in your hand um, each one of us, each one of our loved ones, and, um, and each one of our communities. Um, it is easy, God, to try to take things into our own hands, to become um, busy with doing good works and forget the one for whom we do them. And so, Father, we ask that you would forgive us and turn our hearts to you, um, that we might remember this week of all weeks, God, that you so loved us that you sent us your only son, that you came to dwell in flesh among us, that you came to experience the pain we experience and the joy we experience and to laugh and to triumph and God to save us. We ask that we might remember that this week. Father, we lift up in prayer those that we have named before you today and those that we name before you quietly in our hearts. We pray, God, for those who find this time a very difficult season, for those who are alone or perhaps find themselves um, in, in hospitals or in nursing homes away from um, the places they are familiar with. We pray that your spirit would be a comfort um, and that they might find companionship in you, Lord, um, and, and friendship in you. Father, we pray for those who are grieving, for those who find themselves without a familiar face um, or who are grieving um, not the loss of a family member, but perhaps the loss of a job or of a dream or of a hope, God. For all those who grieve, we ask that you would provide comfort and that you, Emmanuel, God with us, would stand alongside them. God, we pray for those of us today who do find ourselves rejoicing in this time. We ask that you would protect that joy and that you would um, give us hearts to turn that joy towards our community, that we might be beacons of love and that we might be the light that you have taught us to be, that we might shine in the darkness, even though the darkness does not understand us, God. We pray for healing, for healing of bodies and minds and souls and spirits and nations, God. We pray for healing of this church, both this congregation, God, and for any brokenness and division that there is here, and for our denomination, Lord, that you would heal the broken, divisive issues among us and that we might be one in Jesus Christ, one in the faith we proclaim, one in the God we worship, one in the Lord that we serve. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Chapter 1, 
verses 5 through 25, and then we'll go to 57 and go through 80. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God, his section was on duty. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now, at the time of incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified. And fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have sent, been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he not, did not come out, he called he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his name of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured, among my people. And now we go to verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has his name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue free and he began to speak, praising God. 
Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. And all heard them, and all who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hates us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors. He has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from our hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all our days. <clears throat> and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly in Israel. This news is for everybody, regardless if you're people of the person of God or not. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for these holy scriptures. And we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the story has so many, so many parallels to the story that we'll be celebrating in just three days. I mean, think about it. There the angel of the Lord comes and says to the future parent, do not be afraid. Just as the angel will in just a couple days as we celebrate, come to Mary and to Joseph and tell them, do not be afraid. There are so many parallels. Here, this child born in an impossible way to an impossible woman. Here, a child filled with the Holy Spirit. Here, a child whom the scriptures have prophesied. Here, a child that is long awaited. And when the news is heard, we're told that it's talked about in the whole countryside of Judea, just as it was with the birth of Jesus. As I was preparing a sermon today, I thought, oh, there's so, so many more. Can't I just skip on over it? <laughs> Can't I just read the story of the birth of Jesus? Can't we just celebrate that together today? Because I don't know about you, but I am ready. 
I asked Ori as she sat in the choir today, are you ready for Christmas? And her eyes lit up, and so did mine. I said, yes, I'm ready for Christmas, too. I'm ready. Can't we just read about the birth of Christ today? But I think there's something to be said in waiting one more Sunday. In reading today about the birth of John, who comes to prepare our hearts, who comes to turn parents back towards children, who comes to get us ready to welcome Jesus in just a couple days. I think I have to wait. Just these couple more days, I have to wait so that John can make my heart ready today. Because even though I think I'm ready and excited for Christmas, I know last night we were wrapping presents till 10.30. I know that there is still a lot more cleaning to be done. I know that I have to do some paint touch-ups and install some smoke detectors before my in-laws get here just so that they can be assured that we are taking care of ourselves. <laughs> as much as I think I'm ready, I know that there's still work to be done, but above all, I know there's still work to be done in my heart so that when Christmas morning comes, I am ready to welcome Jesus fully. And that's the work that we are doing with John today. Because John the Baptist is the one who will declare the way of the Lord in the wilderness of our hearts. This is a beautiful, beautiful scripture for us because we are beginning to get a glimpse of all those prophecies we've been reading together. So the last three Sundays we have been reading about how there will be one who declares the way in the wilderness, about how this child will come. And now for the first time we see him born. Christmas is coming. The Messiah is coming, my dear brothers and sisters. And we are seeing that promise fulfilled. We are on the brink of seeing our salvation. Oh, can you feel the excitement? Can you feel the excitement when Zachariah sings that song of prophecy? Can you feel him realizing that this child, his wife, is going to give him is not just a gift for him and Elizabeth who has been barren but that this child John is going to be a gift to the world that he is going to get to play a part in the salvation of Israel and not just Israel but as David said for part of the plan of salvation for all people whether you are already a person of God or not there is so much excitement in these scriptures and they end with that beautiful testimony to the mercy of God that is coming to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. Yes, John's birth is finally, finally, finally evidence that God's plan for salvation is in motion and that God is working to bring the Messiah to our lives. John's birth comes at a time that it seems that there is no way forward for the people of God. I don't know if you really think about that when reading the 
Christmas stories, but the Jewish people are living under the Roman Empire. They are making a life for themselves, but it certainly doesn't seem like the time when they're going to have this great king that their scriptures have promised. This doesn't seem like the time when Israel will be justified in the sight of the nations and when a ruler will come from them who will claim the whole earth. It doesn't seem as though now is the time when there is a future for them. And yet here the birth of John says otherwise. Here the birth of John gives us evidence that God is working even before he is born among us. Notice where Zachariah's story begins. It's just a normal day in the life of a priest. He's doing his job. He's gathered for worship. He has chosen by lots, we're said, to go in and burn the incense. It's their regular routine worship. The people are gathered outside in a multitude to pray as they do. Zechariah, you might say, has gathered for his 11 a.m. worship service on a Sunday morning. He's doing the things he always does. He's lighting the candles. He's reading the scriptures. And then in the midst of that ordinary worship, the Spirit of God shows up. And Zachariah is startled. And I think that there's a bit of comedy in that. Because I don't know about you, but when I came into this worship place today, I have hope in my heart that I am going to see God. That I am going to see God in each one of your faces or in the flickering of the flame or hear God's word in the reading of the scriptures. I come to my worship expecting the Spirit to show up. And yet, when the Spirit does show up with Zechariah, he is terrified. He is startled by the Spirit. And I can't say I blame him. Because as much as I say I walk into the space expecting God to show up, can you imagine the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, standing beside our altar now? I certainly would be startled. We say that this is the place where we expect the Spirit to show up, where we expect to hear the words of promise, where we expect to see the prophecies of God coming true. But church, if we're honest with ourselves, wouldn't we be startled if the Spirit showed up in our midst? My dear brothers and sisters, we should be expecting to see God in worship. This is the place where we come to draw closest to Him. This is the place where we are learning to see the startling presence of the Spirit. So that when we leave these walls, and we're not expecting God to show up, we will still see him when he startles us. I was just speaking to someone before the service who, who told me they ran into an old acquaintance they couldn't place because they were out of context. You know that if you know someone from school or church or the grocery store. And then you see them in one of those other places. It's hard to place them. Well, my brothers and sisters, this is the place where we expect God to show up. And we need to become familiar enough with him here that when we see him out in the world, 
we will still know who he is. Zechariah gets startled by the spirit in the midst of worship in the place where he purposefully drew close to God. The space of worship is a time for us to learn together what it means to see the spirit. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, takes work. Zechariah, at first startled by the spirit, he then doubts what Gabriel has to say to him. He questions, just like Abraham and Sarah when they were given the same news. He says, but we're so old. How could you possibly do this? And as a result, Zechariah is left mute for his wife's whole pregnancy. Until he faithfully declares when that child is born that his name is to be John, as the angel declared. Now, we might think about his muteness as a punishment, that because John, or because Zechariah doubted that John could be born, his voice is taken away from him. And perhaps it is. But I like to think that his silence is God blessing him. Blessing him with an opportunity to learn. You see, we say so many words. We hear so many voices speaking to us throughout our days. There are so many things making a claim on who we are and what we do. God gives Zechariah nine months of quiet reflection that he might practice listening to the Spirit instead of to the voice of the world. You see, the only person he can have a conversation with in nine months' time is God. And don't you know, I bet Zechariah learned the voice of God well when that was the only person he was speaking to. You see, learning, learning to recognize the Spirit, it takes work. The truth is that the awesome, merciful, wonderful, light-filled presence of the Spirit of God is always going to startle us, church, because we're human. We're human. But this time of worship, this is our nine months. This is our time when we get to practice listening to what that startling spirit of God is telling us. Because once we leave this place, all the normal demands of the world come back upon you. But you can be sure that even in those places, the spirit of God is wanting to startle you with his goodness. Startle you with his mercy. Startle you with his light in the midst of your darkness. The spirit of God doesn't just startle us in worship. The Spirit of God shows up to startle us in the unexpected places of our life. After all, the Spirit shows up in, in Elizabeth's barren womb, a place that the world would never expect God to go. Both Zachariah and his wife, the scriptures say today, are getting on in years. Both, not only is John's birth a medical miracle because she's barren, his birth proves that God can still use Zechariah and Elizabeth, even when the world looks at them, sees them getting on in years, and thinks that the best of their work is behind them. Yes, even later in life, the Spirit of God startles Zechariah and Elizabeth by telling them that they still have work to do for the kingdom. Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, it should sound familiar to you. 
Their child, John, is how God introduces himself to the world in Jesus Christ. But generations earlier, when God was going to introduce himself to the people he would call Israel, he began that covenant relationship in a barren womb as well. Even when they doubted God, the spirit of God startled Abraham and Sarah and told them God had chosen them to be his unexpected people. And it's not just barren wombs where the spirit startles his people unexpectedly. Do you remember when God opened the mouth of Balaam's donkey, his donkey of all places, and the spirit spoke out of that mouth? Even in the lowliest of animals, the spirit of God startles us, his people, to keep us on the path that leads to life. And remember when God used the dirty waters of the Jordan to heal King Naaman? The king had bathed in all the finest rivers. And yet God showed up and startled him in the dirty, unexpected currents of the Jordan. Even to the ears of kings, the spirit of God startles with offers of grace extended in unexpected places. And remember when that whale swallowed up Jonah as he ran away from the mercy of God. You know Jonah was startled. Even the prophets have to get startled by the Spirit of God so that they might work their part in his plan. And my favorite of all, when the Spirit of God became flesh. Oh, don't you know he showed up in the most unexpected places? He showed up in one of us. He startled humanity. Startled humanity. And not just as one of us, he showed up in a manger. Even when the world was not ready, the Spirit of God startled us with our Savior in the most unlikely way. Whether we're in worship or we're not, the Spirit of God is with us, Emmanuel. We're only human. We're only human. And so when that Spirit shows up for us, we are going to be startled. There's nothing wrong with it. God is wonderful, and he does startle us with his goodness. We come to, to worship. We come to pray. We look to encounter God but we're still going to be startled. That's not the problem. But my question for you today is, once you are startled, how will you react? Once you realize that God is in your midst, that your king has come and is dwelling with you, how will you react? Zechariah does doubt at first. But once he has learned to see God, he offers the most beautiful testimony to the work of God, not just in his family, but in the whole world. He speaks of the great mercy of God, which he says comes as surely as the rising sun will come each and every day. Abraham and Sarah, they too were startled by the Spirit. And they tried to force the promise of God to come true by taking Hagar as a wife. When Balaam's donkey spoke, speaking truth and startling him, his master kept going 
forging on stubbornly on the path he planned, despite the spirit trying to guide him somewhere else. When King Naaman heard the spirit, he wrestled with his pride for a long time before he eventually made room for God to work. When Jonah was startled, he grew bitter and sour. And though he trudged through the work of God, don't you know his book ends with him moping under a tree, bitter that God's mercy is extended to all. We are all going to be startled by the Spirit, my dear brothers and sisters, kings and prophets, rich and poor, men and women. We are all startled when the Spirit moves in our lives. But it is my prayer that we will respond like Zechariah, that we will sing a song of praise and that we will testify to every neighbor who will listen and even to those who won't, that God is at work all around us, saving us and saving our world. I, for one, am looking forward to being startled this Christmas. And I don't know how God is going to show up for me. But I know because of the story of John and Zechariah and Elizabeth that my God will show up for me this Christmas. And I know that he will show up for you as well. Because even when it seems that there is no way forward for the people of God, even when it seems like this could not possibly be the time of our lives when God would bring about our redemption, even then we know that God is at work. And it is our job to wait and be startled by the Spirit. We worship a God who specializes in startling us, who takes joy in showing up when we least expect him. So let us today testify to the goodness of his mercy that we know, which shows up in every place of our lives. Amen. As we come to close today, our closing song is Angels We Have Heard on High, a story about the messengers of God coming to proclaim that the Savior is here. And so I would invite you all to become the messengers of this, to sing out loud what you know to be true about Jesus Christ. Will you stand as we sing together? situations with Zachariah and that angel that you got one, two, three, four, and you put four in front of one. No. Uh-uh. You don't put four in front of one. But he just said,
And may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen. Amen.